0: We had a gospel meeting with Ed Bragwell In which all week he spoke about Jesus And we really haven't done anything like that since I just thought at my hour today That maybe it was a good time to do that But I do want to focus particularly about him on the cross And just think about those things But if you did a highlight reel of, uh, you go to YouTube, you can watch a highlight reel of about anything. But just for a couple minutes, just think about Jesus prior to the cross. He's born of a virgin. He's baptized by John. We're going to skip a lot of stuff. He's tempted by Satan and he overcomes those temptations. He preaches. That's the reason he came. That and ultimately is dead. He selects 12 men and he teaches them what to teach. He heals many of all kinds of diseases. He goes to Jerusalem and to the temple. He's betrayed in the garden. He's taken to the high priest. Um, He's beaten. He's tried before the Sanhedrin. He's handed over to Pilate. Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate. Pilate wants to release him. But he doesn't. Instead, they release a man who is guilty. Let's look then, if you will, at Luke 23, beginning in verse 26. And I want to read through verse 12 of chapter 24. And then I will skip over to verse 44 through 53 of chapter 24. So, Luke 23, 26, beginning. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian who was coming from the country, and and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to, to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? There are also two others, two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. When they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And an inscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who, was, who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened he glorified God saying certainly this was a righteous man and the whole crowd who came together to that site seeing what had been done beat their breasts and returned and all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things Now behold there was a man named Joseph a council member a good and just man he had not consented to their decision indeed He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is arisen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still, he was still in the Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned to the tomb and told all these returned from the tomb, and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So Jesus appears to his disciples and And to the 11 and and in verse 44 then he said to them these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures and he said to them thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the, the third day And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God, praising and blessing God. Amen. Just a couple thoughts about some of this and then we'll talk about some other things about it. Here's the son of God who has died. And if you, this is Possibly a hill outside Jerusalem, similar to maybe where he was crucified on the top of it. The place of a skull. But here's the son of God who has died. And the women come to prepare his body, really, for for the final burial. And they are told, why do you seek the living among the dead? Interesting phrase. He's not here. He's risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember what he told you while he was in Galilee? That this was all gonna happen. And he told them at the time, in various times rather, and they just didn't get it. So let's look at a few things, if you will. So that's the good news. The gospel, that's the good news. Jesus dying for us. Well, what's so good about this news? Why is it so good a news? Matt read Isaiah 53. But if you turn to Isaiah 52, Isaiah 52 and look at verses 13 and 14. It said, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and, and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. That before Isaiah 53, begins to tell the story of what's going to happen to Jesus. He's going to be beaten up. He, he's not going to look like himself when it all comes about. But in Isaiah fifty three verses ten through twelve we'll read that if you don't mind. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul into death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He made his soul an offering for sin. He's an offering for sin for us. He's our sacrifice for us. And by that, The requirement was satisfied. God satisfied at what has been done. The sacrifice for sin has been offered and it's offered only one time. It is satisfied. And by that sacrifice, he'll justify many for he shall bear their iniquities because he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors that intercession he's between God and us. He's on our behalf. He's working on our behalf. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21 through 24, "For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth." who, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Christ suffered for us. And we're to follow in his steps. He's an example that we should follow, but no deceit was found in his mouth. When he's up there, he's himself. He's thinking about one thing, apparently. When he's reviled, he did not revile in return. We'll talk more about that in a little while. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to God, to him who judges righteously. And he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sin, might live right by, for righteousness by whose stripes we're healed. That we, because of what he did, we can live right. We can be acceptable to God because of his blood that was shed for us. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Christ has <coughs> redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He became a curse for us. He took my sins. That the Gentiles, that's us, all in here, might receive the promise of the Spirit second Corinthians 5:21 for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him this verse has been written about talked about debated for 2000 years i suspect <laughs> maybe all of scripture had i'm not sure i know all the, understand all the ramifications of this ber- verse but jesus did not know it, sin by experience but yet he died for us for our sins that we again might become the righteousness of God in him that we might be able to live right that requirement of the law for death was fulfilled in him so then when the time comes and Jesus has ascended and he's gone and he's not going to come back and then we have on the day of Pentecost, the first sermon after Jesus is gone. If you read verses 22 through 24, and we, I'll just go ahead and read it. Men of Israel, hear these words, Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up having loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And then he talks a little more. Then he goes to Acts, uh, verses 36 through 39. And he's coming to this great conclusion. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For well, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You know assuredly that God made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's the ruler. He's the anointed. The anointed ruler. He's the king. And so when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. What it was it that they were cut to the heart about? Acts 2 verse 23 Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death whom God raised up He died You killed Him And so in verse 36 of Acts 2 whom you crucified He's told them twice now You killed Him And now He says What shall we do? What do we do about this? We're in a big problem. Kill the Son of God. Kill the anointed ruler. And so Peter tells them, repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. And that promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. That's us. This promise is to us to do what he says because of his sacrifice, our sins can be forgiven by obeying him, repenting, believing, and repenting and being baptized. So those are that's why it's good news for us. But I want to go back. If you read all of the Gospels, you get the whole story. But if you read one of them, you don't get everything that Jesus said on the cross. So I I just want to look at those statements that he made, and it takes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to do it. So let's just look at those for just a moment. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So here's Jesus. He's on the cross. And as we talked in the class, they've mistreated him, they're killing him, and he's lashing out. No, he's not, is he? We might. I'll get you. You're going to pay for this. No, he, not him. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This mystery, this wisdom of God, this mystery, was not fully unfolded until after. It was a hidden wisdom, but it was ordained before the ages, before the world, and and nobody knew it. That the rulers of the age didn't know. If they had known, they wouldn't have crucified it. But. It wasn't made to be known until that time, until the right time. And that's how it was planned out, that Jesus would die and we can be saved. And if they had all known, then Satan would have worked some way not to have him killed. But he didn't know. In Luke chapter 23, verse 43, And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to one of those two thieves that were crucified with him. <clears throat> At one time, both of them had railed against him. But one of them changed his mind, and he told his partner, the other one that he was crucified with, that, you know, we're guilty. We're, we're receiving what we deserve. But this man's done nothing wrong. And then he said, Luke 23, verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I would love for him to say that to me. And I'm sure all of us would. But the thing that I think about on this is that the thief realized that death is not the end of things. But there is more, uh, and it's a kingdom, and it's Christ's kingdom. I don't know how he knew all that, but he knew it. So Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's interesting that it's called, the, this kingdom is called a paradise, and it's a Persian word, a Persian origin. And it just means a garden, maybe like the Garden of Eden, but that's the idea. You're going to be in, in this perfect place. It's called paradise. It's Christ's kingdom. But that's where you'll be. In John 19, verses 26 through 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. Much has been debated about, woman, behold your son, that this is a sign of disrespect, which sounds rather impersonal to us. But it is not. It is a sign of affection. But Jesus is there on the cross. His blood is... The blood is... He's torn up in his back. And he's enduring, if you will, the suffering on the cross with nails in his hands and feet. He's having to push up on his feet to relieve himself so he can get a breath of air and then relax a moment and he's thinking about his mother. Not his own plight. He's thinking about his mother. Woman, behold your son. He provided for her in spite of his agony, he provided for his mother. His disciple was to take care of her. He was to take her into his own. He was going to, she now belonged to him. I have for care that, but it's really, she's his family. So Jesus is always looking out for somebody else other than himself. In Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Much again debated. But Jesus felt some kind of abandonment. He's forsaken. Some kind by his father. He's alone by himself on that cross. Which makes us think again about 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin for us. But I'm the reason he's there. I put him there. Because of my sin. In John 19, 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Which brings to mind Psalms 22, verse 15, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaw. You have brought me to the dust of death. This is written, I don't know, a thousand years, I don't know, before his death. Because this has been in the plan from before the ages. Luke 23:46. Trying to put him in order, by the way. I guess I should have told you that before. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Didn't know which one of these last two to put before the other. but He committed, he entrusted himself. Wanda's version, the English Standard Version says, he commits uh, in trust to one's charge. He's given himself over to the Lord. Think about it again. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. First Peter two twenty three. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. All that he's, all this agony that he's in, and he just takes it, and he's thinking about other than someone other than himself. So when he had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and bowed his head. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This may be probably part of that last cry with a loud voice that he states in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not a cry of defeat, but it is a cry of victory. So thinking about all those things... Acts 3, 18 and 19, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his holy prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and be converted. Because the means of salvation is with us. is here. has been done. And so it and an I stole Saul and why now why are you waiting arise be baptized wash your away your sins calling on the name of the Lord If you need to respond to the gospel there it is Or if you've done that and need the prayers of faithful Christians why don't you come while we stand and while we sing